The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these chaotic times, many people are talking about a loss of confidence in being able to create a life of success and value. In the next hour, we'll hear from people who have faced challenges in their lives and thrived. Welcome to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. In her program, she will also help you work on a different strategy for success each week. And now, here's your host, Louise Cohen. Well, good afternoon, everyone. So happy to be with you again. In last week's show, we talked about thinking outside the box to create more possibilities. Hope you had some new successes last week in trying to think outside the box. This week, we're going to explore the limits we place on ourselves in our attitudes, our inner dialogues, and in our actions. Many of these limitations start with the use of the word impossible. Lately, I've been hearing from clients and colleagues that they are being faced with what seems to be impossible situations. As we talk about their challenges, I try to give them an an objective view about their difficulties. Now, of course, in reality, they are facing many obstacles in their businesses, with their families, and in their personal lives that can be difficult, painful, and even fearful to overcome. But I challenge them when they use the word impossible because that does not have to be their only reality. One of the realities we often forget when we're feeling overwhelmed by the impossible is our own history of overcoming what we thought was an impossible challenge. In fact, if we review our life from infancy to the present, we all have a tremendous history of changing the impossible to the possible. And it is an incredible history of overcoming challenges that has honed us into the unique and special person that we are today. Each time we confront the impossible, we find that we uncover or develop a new quality that adds to our value as a person and builds on our ability to create more success and possibilities for our future. Each time we overcome what we thought was an impossible challenge, we are able to experience a new inner strength that will help us endure the next life test. Each time we feel that we can't take another step forward, and we do, we strengthen our endurance to withstand the hardships that may come in the future. We gain confidence by not giving up. Each time we confront the impossible, we develop a compassion and an empathy for everyone who is also struggling with impossible challenges. That compassion allows us to become an even better friend, colleague, or a loving family member. Each time we try to solve the impossible, we open up our creative and our imagination and our inspiration. We, we, then we find new ways to solve the problem. It ignites our curiosity and opens up new energy. And so what started out being an experience of hopelessness, helplessness, and fear at facing the impossible 
gradually becomes an experience of confidence and self-reliance. And even if the efforts to create new possibilities don't succeed right away, we can still honor ourselves and keep trying. The honor and respect comes from the effort, not just the immediate success of the goal. We don't often even realize our strengths, our endurance, our compassion, and our creativity until we are tested. Just like a precious stone that is mined from the earth, you can't see its beauty and brilliance until it is scraped, rubbed, and polished. So, of course, the strategy for the week for you to practice to create more life success is to prove to yourself that the impossible is possible. So, I want you to do a little research this week. First, spend time this week talking with colleagues, family, and friends. Have them tell you about the times in their lives when they were faced with what seemed to be insurmountable obstacles. Next, question them about the strategies they use to turn the impossible into new successes. Ask them to reflect on the lessons they learned that could help them deal with future challenges. And what jewels did they uncover about themselves as they tried to face the impossible? So this, the quote this week, as you know, I always like to do a quote, and this one's a little bit long, but it was so in harmony with the ideas presented in the show, I thought, how great, I've got to offer this to my audience. It's a quote by psychologist David Seabury. This is his quote. In South Africa, they dig for diamonds. Tons of earth are moved to find a little pebble, not as large as a fingernail. The miners are looking for the diamonds, not the dirt. They're willing to lift all the dirt in order to find the jewels. In daily life, people forget this principle and become pessimists because there is more dirt than diamonds. When trouble comes, don't be frightened by the negative Look for the positive and dig them out. They are so valuable. It doesn't matter if you have to handle tons of dirt. Don't you just love that? <laughs> I love that. So uh, it's such a perfect introduction uh, for my guest, Jay Platt. I, I'm Literally, he's a living example of changing the impossible into the new possibility. So, Jay, welcome to the show. I'm so hey. happy you're with us. Uh, thank you, Louise. I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, before uh, we get into our discussion, Jay, I'd like to, you know, give our audience a little um, bio so that they can get a sense of who you are. So, okay. Jay Platt, who's sometimes called Mr. Unstoppable, and you'll learn later in the show why he got that title, is a former Marine Corps drill instructor, a cancer survivor, and a highly accomplished adventure athlete. As a Marine, Jay served for nearly 15 years until his career was brought to an end after complications from cancer, and this forced his retirement as a gunnery sergeant. Refusing to quit, he's gone on to do things that will make your head spin. He was one of the fewer than 300 people ever to southbound through hike the more than 2,100-mile Appalachian Trail. He is one of the only three people in the world to swim from Alcatraz Island to San Francisco with both hands and feet tied. And he is the only person in history to swim across the Mississippi River while handcuffed, shackled, and blindfolded. He's the author of, no matter what, How to Be Unstoppable Despite the Obstacles Starting Today, and is the subject of a documentary film, excuse me, Living Unstoppable. For further information, please visit Jay on the website, www.jplatt.com. 
That's G-A-Y-P-L-A-T-T.com or www.livingunstoppable.com. Well, Jay, my goodness, <laughs> what an incredible history. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, I know I am, and I know my audience is going to want to hear uh, a lot about your incredible feats. Uh, it's a challenge impossible. But can we go back a little? Can Can you offer to our, our listeners a little about your life before all these adventures? What inspired you, for instance, to become uh, a Marine? That's a great question. And, um, you know, when I was a 10-year-old kid, I watched a movie called The Sands of Iwo Jima with ah. John Wayne. And um, I don't know what it was about that movie, but something about watching that just sparked in me. I was like, you know what? I I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a Marine. How and, beautiful. Um, of course, you have to be, um, you know, at least 17 to, to join up. Mm-hmm. And so for the you know next seven years or so, I, I was gung-ho about that's exactly what I wanted to do. And then so sure enough, uh, uh, eight days after the bombing of the Marine barracks in Beirut, Lebanon, in 1983, uh, as a 17-year-old, I, I joined up. And, wow. Um, it's all I, you know, I wanted to do. The, the fact that I had wanted to do it for so long, it really did meet my expectations, and it really was. Um, everyone doesn't get that in their life, uh, but I was uh, fortunate enough to, to get it in my life to be doing exactly what I wanted to do. And, um, Isn't that beautiful? It, you know, yeah. that, it's so beautiful when you hear that uh, that a young child is inspired by something and and works toward that. Um, I just I think that's so so moving. Well, then it must have been a tremendous shock when you were diagnosed with cancer because now everything was changing. What was going on for you at that time oh. when you got the diagnosis? How did you deal with it? With yeah, the <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, you're right because it's like you go from a high, and that's really kind of how all of our lives are if we mm-hmm. think about it. You know, we have highs and we have lows. And so, yeah, I was on a high spot as a Marine and, you know, just thought that, uh, I mean, I, I try to think, you know, I didn't think I was better than, than others, but Marines do have a <laughs> certain attitude. <laughs> have a little you know? bit of pride, <laughs> I had huh? this kind of attitude, like, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, I was all that, and uh, just real real great shape and all. And um, one day, I remember I was out running, and um, came back from the run, and um, just kind of looked down, and uh, actually to pick up a pebble. And when I stood back up, I had all these black, wavy lines out of my left eye as I looked mm-hmm. out. And... Um, that was the start of it. The next morning, I was completely blind in that eye. Oh my God! And um, I actually was able to serve for the you know next oh wow uh, for thirteen more years actually as a marine. I was I always joke around that it was my non-shooting eye, <laughs> so I could still oh, no. I could still aim and shoot. You know, and it probably believe? made me a better marine because I was just that much more determined. But I could not see out of that eye at oh, all. My completely goodness. blind. And um, later, it it. Um, did you know progress? This condition I have is called von Hippel-Lindau syndrome, and it's a it's a uh, it's a form of of cancer. Um, some, sometimes it's malignant, where it's an actual cancer, like in my kidneys, it, it is malignant. Other places it's not malignant. In the eyes, it was not. It just caused thousands of tumors. Hmm. Um, I've also had in the brain, the spinal cord, uh, oh the pancreas, and uh, different areas like that. Um, and so after about 15 years, the Marine Corps did, did you know, retire me. Um, just to back up very quickly, because you said, you know, how did you react to it? You know, I think a lot of people, I, mean, I don't know, you hear stories of people just, they get diagnosed, and they're just like, 
Oh, you know, thank you. This is just, a, you know, thank you, Lord. This is a, a blessing. Oh, right. I did not. I, I got yeah. so mad, mm. so bitter. I was, mm. I was really the kind of person mm. to just, you know, why me? You know, I, mm-hmm. I wanted anybody else to have this but me. Mm-hmm. But me. And mm. um, I pushed people out of my life, you know, as a result of it. Just became very, um, just really, really like devoted myself to my job and my relationships just, uh, just, just went away. I didn't want to have anything to do with anybody. And, um, it took me going through all that, and eventually I did you know, turn myself around where, where I, I started thinking differently. But that was my initial reaction for sure. Well, you know, thank you so much for sharing that honestly because I know that sometimes when our listeners hear, you know, that um, that people are, you know, kind of unstoppable, I think they imagine that you don't have any of those real feelings of anger, bitterness, um, of you know grief i mm. think that it's so important for that's why i'm very grateful that you're sharing that because i i want certainly people in in the audience who you know themselves or have family members or friends that are going through this to understand that there are many many uh feelings that you're going to go through um but that you still can go forward and, mm-hmm. and, and do new things so so thank you so yeah. but let, let me just clarify so you were after the diagnosis, you still stayed in the Marines. Is that is that right? Yeah. So initially, okay. it was just in my eye, mm-hmm. and um, you know they did all the tests, and I mean I had to do a lot of you know going to the doctor and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I was allowed to stay in. As I said, I could, I could do everything, hmm. you know, other than something that would require you know sight in two eyes, like flying a plane, which I wasn't mm-hmm. <laughs> doing. You know, and so, right. Um, but yeah, I mean it. it uh, it certainly took a um, much letter, much greater level of concentration on my part to do mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and uh, I, in ways I think it did probably made me a better Marine as a result. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so then in 1995 I was blind in that eye, but in 1995 it, it started hurting so bad, and I, I wanted, to, you know, they basically said the doctor said, you know, I can't do anything for your eye, and you can either. Um, you know, get out of the Marine Corps, and we never can tell, you know, what will happen with the technology. You might be able to save it sometime in the future, or we could just cut it out. And um, I wanted to stay in the Marine Corps so bad, I just said, you know, we'll just go ahead and just cut it out. And so they, they removed the eye in 1995, and um, I was able to serve for about another three years after that before it progressed to my brain and kidneys. Wow. Well, you know, I think it's almost incredible to think that you – are living with all of that um, in itself, and then being able to then work with your attitude. I, I mean, you know, how, how do you do that? How do you really live with a, a, a chronic illness and and still be able to, you know, get up every day and say, no, today I'm going to, I'm alive and I'm going to do something with today? Yeah, well, that's a great question, too, because until 1995, I, I was not like that. I can tell you, I, I was just, like I said earlier, I was just so bitter. I was just getting by each day. I was just a very negative person. And in 1995, shortly after I had the eye removed, I started um, changing. And, um, a lot of it was with you know, reading, uh, things that we hear about, which, which is so true, the, the kind of books that you read, the kind of people you associate with, and the kind of tapes and things that you listen to, all that, you know, plays such an important role, and it truly did start changing me. But the thing that changed me probably more than anything that made me start doing that was um, after I had my eye removed, I was real bitter, and, and as I said, and um, one Saturday morning I just got this 
this feeling. And so finally I, I could hear it was the laughter of this little girl. And so, Louise, I look back, and there's this little girl, and she's got her eyes tightly closed, and her, her hands and her arms are kind of you know, gnarled, and her head is to the side, and her mother's pushing her in a wheelchair. And that little girl had this biggest smile on her face, though, and, and she was just saying, listen to the birds, Mama. Wow. Listen to the birds. And that just, like, it's like hit me in the chest like a sledgehammer, just thinking, you know, who are you? To, you know, talking about myself, of to sit there and feel sorry for yourself. And, you know, I've got one good eye, and I couldn't remember the last time I looked at a bird with it, much less listened to the bird. And so wow. oh. that really, Louise, more than anything, probably made me wake up and listen to things that people have been telling me about, you know, how important attitude is and all that. And from there forward, I started working on my attitude. You know, and it's so incredible. Uh, uh, what, you know, I don't know if you have a belief that there are things going on at a higher level to, you know, help us to, you know, awaken to what we need to awaken to. But for me, the sound of that is there's such a perfect arrangement for you to, uh, to, to realize something new in the simplest way, not through any, you know, uh, say minister or reading a, a book, just, just life, you know, mm-hmm. just came at you. How do you, do you do you have certain uh, beliefs that you feel you know arrangements well, yeah, that are happening? Well, yeah, myself, everybody can believe what they want to be. But I'm, I'm a Christian, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I, I do believe that um, I was told by God that day to right. you know, sometimes we're tapped on the shoulder, and I was just told. You know, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I was told to go there that day. Absolutely. And I think we all get that feeling of. Mm-hmm. of We've all had feelings that you're supposed to call somebody or, or whatever. Exactly. And a lot mm-hmm. of times we ignore it. And so, you know, that day I just, thank goodness, I did not ignore it. And I went and I saw that. And, you know, sometimes really and truly normally the example someone sets, the example we see is much more powerful mm-hmm. than the words that we hear. And so although all that, all that little girl never said anything to me, the 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 example she set for me was just incredible. And I, I didn't say anything to her but she truly changed my life. Wow, that is so beautiful. Ah, well, you know, I know that our audience is going to want to get into some of these adventurous challenges. You, you, you know, so I know they're curious. So, so let's let's kind of look at um, what what inspired you to let's face it do these crazy feats that we're going to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know people always ask me, "Why in the world do you do the crazy things that you do?" But there is a you know a reason for it, and um, it really goes back to when I was about to have brain surgery in 1998, and I was like, you know, probably anybody would be. I don't, I don't care who you are. You're going to be terrified in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, was, you know, just a couple minutes before, and everybody left the room. My parents were there, and my girlfriend at the time, she was there. And, and everybody had been there visiting with me, but a few minutes before, it's just me. And so I did what a lot of people would do in that situation. I said a prayer. Absolutely. And, you know, mm-hmm. I said, God, if you let me make it through this, I promise I'll work to make a difference in the lives of others. Oh, and I don't beautiful. know how that would be and you know, what I would do, but I just wanted that second chance. And um, Wow. So I was able well, to make it through. And um, the way that, you know, I didn't know what I would do, but the way that came out to be the things that I do was, uh, as the Marine Corps was getting ready to retire me after the brain surgery, um, this doctor was, he was reached back, you did what's called a final physical, which is a physical that's supposed to determine if you're as healthy as you were when you came in the military mm-hmm. or anything is documented, that, you know, saying that you're not. And so he reached back in a filing cabinet and gave me some paperwork, and he, he 
you know, turned to me and he was he was talking to me like I was an old man, so I can roll out. You know, it's like I was a gunnery sergeant, which is you know, with the Marine Corps we call them gunnies. And so he's like, Gunny, take this paperwork. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you take this paperwork and you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, and uh, they will give you a disabled veteran's license plate. You know that way you can, you know, you can park in handicap parking and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, this is so exciting. We're just having to break at the most oh, okay. <laughs> important time. So I can't wait to get back to all of this. We're going to leave the audience hanging there. Yeah. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. <laughs> okay, cool. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Louise Cohen's new book, Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities, Strategies for Achieving Life Success and Satisfaction, gives us hope again that we can find our way out of the confusion and challenges of today's chaotic life. She shows you how to start getting a new sense of power back in your life by using inspirational quotes and practical skills to deal with your obstacles in new ways. You can order her book in paperback or Kindle edition at Amazon.com or on her website, www.positiveattitudecoaching.com. You can also order from her website her recent book that she co-authored with Deepak Chopra and Jack Canfield called Stepping Stones to Success. Experts share strategies for mastering business, life, and relationships. Be sure to visit positiveattitudecoaching.com today. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. To connect with Louise or her guests this week, please call 1-866-472-5788. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're talking with my guest, Jay Platt, and when we took the break, we were just at an important and exciting point of hearing Jay and and what was happening uh, during his surgery and after surgery and how he was going to take the next step. So, Jay, can we pick up there? Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, something like, why do I go about doing the crazy things I do? Exactly. Well, some people would consider crazy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so this, doc, this doctor, you know, he gives me the paperwork saying I could go get the disabled veteran's license plate. And I know that he was trying to help me. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside, Louise, I was just fuming. I was thinking, you know, who is this doctor to sit there and tell me that I can't, you know, walk a certain distance, that I need a, a you know, handicapped parking in order to do it. And um, so I, I didn't, when I said that prayer earlier, you know, I, I didn't know what it would be, but that mm-hmm. day it kind of dawned on me. I said, you know something, I'm going to show people by my example, not by being just mm-hmm. talk, talking about it, but I will do things that, you know, few others have ever done or, or no one has ever done. And wow. um, so that was in July of 98, and by August of 98, I was out hiking the Appalachian Trail going from Maine to Georgia. And um, as you said in the, when you read the bio, um, when I completed that trail, at that time, there's more than that now, 
Um, but at that point, it was fewer than 300 people who had ever wow. hiked from Maine mm-hmm. to Georgia on the Appalachian Trail. Wow. You know, um, it's so interesting, Jay, to hear the things that seem to, um, like there are these things that happen in life, like the little girl and then the doctor, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, you know, to get you to go in a different direction, saying, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not going to get a disabled license plate. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be disabled. Uh, but what I hear, which is so beautiful, is that your, your focus isn't just to prove to people that you can do things that other people can't. I hear it as your tremendous, as you say, you made this prayer to God, uh, to show people through your example that they don't have to give in to their challenges or um, the things that happen to them. So um, what would you say um, was your biggest lesson you learned during the time on the Appalachian Trail? Yeah, the biggest lesson of all probably, I mean, there are a lot of them out there, and actually I wrote a book about, uh, the first book I ever wrote was called A Time to Walk. Life lessons learned on the Appalachian Trail. Oh, <laughs> so it was all about the it was all about the lessons about life that I learned mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, there were so many of those. But um, is that book still available? Yeah, and so it is available. You know, people go to jplatt.com. Mm-hmm, um, it's probably on Amazon.com also, but right. jplatt.com is a little you know cheaper, and they can get it autographed if they mm-hmm. wanted it. But um, if I had to narrow it down to just one, you know, one thing that I learned, it was that uh, we all need other people. And, oh, um, hmm. Because I did this hike by myself, hmm. and um, I became, and I, I'm pretty much a, um, I wouldn't say I'm a loner, but I'm someone that, I'm the personality type that I, I've always been able to be by myself, and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know? right, right. But I've got to tell you. When I was out there, mm. I started missing people, and because I was doing it all by myself, I wouldn't ever see anybody. And going mm. north, or from north to south, that's one of the things too. Is you, you rarely do you see anyone. Most people are going the other way. So if you do run into someone, it's just for a few minutes. And so mm. when I would see someone, or if I would come to a town, I would just be so talkative. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny because people, you know, up to that point were not really used to that of me. You know, when I finished the trail, I was just very talkative and wanted to be around people a lot more. And um, that was probably one of the biggest, you know, things I learned was the, that, you know, people are so important. And the other thing, too, is I never would have done the trail and completed it um, although I did it by myself, I didn't do it myself. Um, other people were supporting me. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. My girlfriend, who's my wife now, she, you know, oh, she supported wonderful. me with food, mm-hmm. and um, we did it. You know, I did it as a fundraiser, and we ended up raising one hundred and nine thousand um, dollars. And and that certainly wasn't just because of me either. That was because people were going out mm-hmm. and saying, "Hey, this guy's doing this trail. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to give so much per mile and that kind of thing?" And uh, we were able to build it up to, like I said, one hundred and nine thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. It, it, how long were you actually alone on that trail? Well, let's see. It took me about five and a half months to do it. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> that's walking about 15 to 20 miles a day, and I would take one day a week off. You know, normally I'd take it around like Sunday off or something. And um, and just rest along the trail? Yeah, and, you would rest. Well, actually what happens is like every... Um, I don't know, every 100 miles and sometimes less than that, um, the trail would meander through a little small town or near a small town. Mm-hmm. And you'd go there and there'd be like a little, um, not, a, not a hotel, <laughs> but a motel. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, a little bitty old thing that uh, most people wouldn't even stay at. But you, you would stay there and they'd have hot water and so that's where you would stay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'd know, say about four months out of five and a half months, so I was probably by whew. myself. You wow. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I find fascinating, Jay, is uh, so – 
probably our listeners would have thought, so what did he learn on the Appalachian Trail? We learned that he had strength and courage and blah, blah, blah. And instead, what you learned, which to me is so beautiful, uh, just in, in a way the opposite. I may have strength and courage, but I need people, you know. Oh, I, God. I yeah. can't do things alone. And mm-hmm. even though I did it alone, I actually know that what I need is to also share with people. I, I, to me, that is just a fascinating lesson, as I would have thought it would have been just the opposite. Yeah, and, and the other thing, and not just because it's certainly true, definitely people, but that's the value of other people because it's like I would be at this beautiful, you know, vista looking out. And you would turn uh, to say, hey, look at that, and you uh, realize right. you're all by yourself. Right. Oh, yeah, and, and then mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't even have a good camera. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> then, so, it's like, I didn't even have that. So oh, you just keep on going. <laughs> wow, that is so interesting, so interesting. Well, now the next thing is you made the escape from Alcatraz. Hey, congratulations. Now, yeah. now what's the fascination? So many people seem to want to escape from Alcatraz. So, so what fascinated you about this challenge? Well, as as people often do, when I do one thing, the, the normal question is, so what's next? Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> so, so this guy asked me that. One time I was I was up in Philly, I remember, and, and um, he, so he asked that question. Um, you know, so well, what's next? And so I just, I didn't really, hadn't really thought of it, but I said, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to... I, I remember I saw the movie with Clint Eastwood a long uh-huh. time ago called Escape from Alcatraz. Right. And supposedly no one had ever escaped from Alcatraz. You know, the, Some people tried and they drowned, supposedly, and all this. And so I said, you know what, I, I will, I'm going to swim from Alcatraz Island to San Francisco. And then he says, ah, oh, well... Um, you know that yeah, there's there's a triathlon that they do out there, so yeah, you, you probably could do that. And um, I said, no, well, but I'm going to do it with my hands and feet tied. <laughs> and so he said, there ain't no, there, there's literally no way. You're you know you're crazy. There, there's no way. You need to get yourself checked out. <laughs> That's the one thing people can tell you, and you know that if they tell you that, then you're definitely going to try. Oh it, yeah, right? well, and I, I kind of you know, use that too to, to kind of see how people's reaction is right. to know that I said this would be a good fundraiser right here. <laughs> so <laughs> as soon as he said that, I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do because the reason I believe that I could do it was when I was in the Marine Corps, I taught water survival, and mm-hmm. um, as a water survival instructor, one of the things that we would do would we would tie our hands and our feet, and we would swim that way. Wow. So we would show people that if you would just relax, you you know you could survive like that. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I, I started like researching it and, and that kind of thing, and I found out that someone else had actually done it. Jack Lalane, who who died last year, mm-hmm. Jack Lalane had actually done that. Really? I How and I had no idea. I said, "Man," but I thought, you know, it's it, pretty good company to be in. If I'm if I'm only the second person in in history to do it behind Jack Lalane. Wow. And this this is important for you know people who are listening to this to to realize that whenever you have like an idea or something. Rarely do you just you have this idea that I don't know what it is, but there's there's something about these ideas are floating around in the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because I was okay, I was planning on doing this, but just like you know a lot of things, I was I wasn't really procrastinating per se, but I was I was busy doing other things. Life was getting in the way, and I remember my mom my mama called up one day and she says, uh, "Jay, um, got to turn on headline news." Because you know every headline news every thirty minutes are running. She said, "Got to run the headline news." There's this guy 
She said, I thought it was you, that you just up and did it and didn't tell us about it, but there's this guy from Italy who just swam from Alcatraz Island to San Francisco with his hands and feet tied. Oh, my gosh. And so I look, and sure enough, there's this guy named Alberto Cristini from Italy who flew over to San Francisco and did that swim. I got man. And so that night kind of got me you know, off my butt. I was like, man, I've got to do this thing. So I started training all the different things you have to do for it. There's a lot of training involved. I bet. And um, hired a guy that had, had swam. He hadn't swam that way, but he had swam the channel, just regular swim a lot mm-hmm. of times. And um, went out there um, November 7th of 2005. I went out there and um, did that swim. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, what would you say was was you know tough about it i mean here you you really did explain that you had this training of swimming with hands and feet tied and, and when you're in the marines and uh, you know certainly been able to do that what would you say was uh, the toughest part for you um in the swim from alcatraz island well there's a couple things that are really tough and what you hear people say that it's impossible to escape um uh, from there is the currents are just like truly mm-hmm. treacherous a normal, like for a river, for instance, the river just flows one way. Mm-hmm. Um, out there, though, the, the current, because it's at bay, will will go from one direction to another. And, and so, like, every hour, it, it's like a flushing, almost like a, in a toilet. Mm-hmm. And it goes one way and then the other. And so the current's pulling you. And that's why I had to hire this guy, Gary Emick, to... Um, carry me through as far as they were on a boat and I was able to follow that boat because they knew how the current would go. The water also is so cold. I mean, it's it's so cold. It's almost like a joke. I mean, it's just like, it's almost, it's just like ridiculously cold. Uh, the first time I put my, just my foot in it, wow. it, it brought tears to my eyes. And oh my um, when I jumped in that water to, to do the swim, probably within the first you know minute or so, I couldn't even hardly breathe. I mean, it just takes wow. your breath away. And then the other thing that made it so so tough, though, was um, one week, literally one week prior to me doing this swim, uh, I, I, uh, I did my first Marine Corps marathon. And normally after you do a marathon, they, you know, a lot of times they'll tell you, you know, you should wait at least a month before mm-hmm. you do anything really strenuous. And here I am doing a swim. <laughs> so oh, my goodness. About 10 minutes into the swim, uh, both hamstrings just get, you know, Charlie horses in them, just cramp up something terrible. And here I am with my hands and feet tied, and they're just killing me. And I'm thinking, man, to almost to the point, I just looked at the boat, and I'm thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I, I thought I was going to have to call them on the boat. You know, come get me. <laughs> wow. wow. Somehow, though, I was just able to just stop, and I just focused. And, and at that point, uh, I was doing a fundraiser for the Injured Marine Semper Fi Fund, and uh, these are for Marines and sailors who have lost limbs mm-hmm. and, and been wounded mm-hmm. in combat. And so I just really, first of all, thought about, you know, why am mm-hmm. I doing this? Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of calmed me down. I was just thinking, you know, think how hard it would be if, if you didn't, if you were missing your legs. You know, and just think of the sacrifices they have made for us. And I started thinking about that, and that calmed me. And then after that, I just started focusing on my strokes. And so, you know, for me, you know, I just think about, you know, do like three strokes. I would just, you know, stroke, stroke, stroke. Then I would come up and I would breathe and I would look off at, you know, San Francisco in the in the distance, you know, a mile and a half away, put my head back down, stroke, stroke, stroke. Mm, mm. And uh, eventually, at some point rather, the, the boat uh, moved in front of me and it was throwing up all sorts of oil and gas and you know how... You know, how terrible that smells. Um, mm. If you've ever been around a boat, 
But it was throwing it up in the water, and, and I couldn't avoid it because of the way I was tied up. And so I just ended up swallowing this. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was swallowing, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't avoid it. And it's just, I'm swallowing, <clears throat> and, then, and then I start feeling you know, nauseated. And as horrible as it sounds, I end up um, vomiting you know, three different times. Wow. And I was like, I just got to keep going. I just kept going, and somehow, <laughs> somehow, an hour and fifty-five minutes later, I got oh to the other track. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just amazing. But you know what I love about it? It's is that I hear that the way you do things. You know, certainly the way you just described two things. That one thing is that you you kept your focus on why you were doing it. You know, you kept your focus on wanting to help um your your fellow marines um but you also to me which is one of the greatest kind of universal principles is that everything is possible if we do it step by step mm-hmm. everything is possible one step at a time and then another step at a time and then another which to me is is a very important um message for our listeners yeah and that's i mean because you were saying that at the beginning before you brought me on about you know how nothing is impossible even though it looks like it is that's the secret, and and that's what I try to tell you know people also is that, and that's you know I realize that ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there would not ever do what I have done, and and the majority probably think I'm crazy and stupid right. to do such things. Right. But the reason I do it is just what you said is to show that nothing is impossible. That if you would just right. break it down. Virtually anything is possible. That even though it looks like oh, there's no way this can be done, I want people to think. And, and um, you know, I always joke around about you know I only have one eye and a, and a brain tumor. To think, you know, for people to say, you know, if, if a one-eyed guy with a brain tumor can do the things he does, what right. can I do? <laughs> well, and you know, and I like the the, the point that you just made is yes, uh, obviously there are not going to be many people doing the feats that you're doing. But the lessons that you can offer them, or rather the experiences, are things that they can apply to the challenges of their day-to-day lives. Oh, yeah. And, and or just think, they yes, if they're going through a really hard situation, like mm-hmm. maybe, they're, they're, maybe they're out of work, and they're, every day they're out there looking for a job, mm-hmm. and they're just so frustrated. Mm-hmm. That to, you know, maybe that's their Alcatraz. See? So, so they think, you know what, this is my Alcatraz. And I'm going to find a way. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true believer that there is always a way. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when it seems hardest, and we can talk about that, you know, when we talk about the Mississippi River swim, when it seems hardest, like you can't do it, guess what? Boom. Before you even know it, that's when you break mm-hmm. away. And, you know, if you would have given up, you know, you never mm-hmm. would have, have made it through. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we have to break again. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I'm just uh, just getting so much um, wonder out of this and, and all the lessons that we're able to share with people. I think it's beautiful. So we'll be coming back in just a bit. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Louise Cohen's new book, Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities, Strategies for Achieving Life Success and Satisfaction, gives us hope again that we can find our way out of the confusion and challenges of today's chaotic life. She shows you how to start getting a new sense of power back in your life by using inspirational quotes and practical skills to deal with your obstacles in new ways. You can order her book in paperback or Kindle edition at Amazon.com or on her website, www.positiveattitudecoaching.com. You can also order from her website her recent book that she co-authored with Deepak Chopra and Jack Canfield called Stepping Stones to Success. Experts share strategies for mastering business, life, and relationships. Be sure to visit positiveattitudecoaching.com today. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. To connect with Louise or her guests this week, please call 1-866-472-5788. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back, everyone. We are talking to my guest, Jay Platt. Uh, Jay, earlier in the show, I gave a very brief bio of your work and your professional experiences. Let's tell our listeners again how they can reach you to get your full bio and learn about your book and this wonderful new documentary, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, if you go to jplatt.com, which is J-A-Y-P-L-A-T-T.com, I, I do a blog every week. And um great way for us to, to stay in touch there um, that way. I've uh, got a free membership that if people want to join. And uh Got all sorts of stuff there, web store and all sorts of things. You want to, you know, right. books and that kind of thing. And then uh, for the documentary, uh, there's actually a, a website specifically for that, and it is livingunstoppable.com. And uh, there you can watch the trailer. Um, you could purchase the film, um, and we also leave you know news and that kind of stuff there. So livingunstoppable.com. Great. And I do want to let our listeners know that you also are available for speaking engagements. Which Yes, I am a professional speaker. Thank you. Right. <laughs> uh, I am a professional speaker and also do uh, one-on-one coaching with uh, certain clients. But, uh, great. Great. yeah, I do great. that. Thank you. Well, absolutely. I mean, boy, I'd go to any speaking engagement you were doing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's so great. But anyway, well, let's let's hear a little about the documentary. I, I think that's so exciting. Let's hear about that and how that happened and what's it all about. Yeah, great. Like I said, I had had written you know a couple of books, A Time to Walk After the Appalachian Trail. Then I wrote a, another book a few years later called No Matter What. And I think books are are great. And I'm a I'm a big actually I'm always reading something. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I think it's I, I think it's very valuable. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, uh, actually a mentor of mine, Rick Butts, and um, you know I was planning on doing the Mississippi River swim and that kind of thing. And I was I was doing it for uh, as a fundraiser, which which normally I try to do things I do it to tie it into a fundraiser of some sort. And um, I was doing it. It's called Swim for the Warriors, um, and the idea would be that you would be inspired by the things that I was training for and the, the swim and that you would donate to, I had five different organizations that, that mm-hmm. I wanted you to donate to if, if you, you know, were inspired. 
And so what Rick said was, because I had planned on maybe writing a book about the, the process and the things I'd learned and that kind of stuff, and he suggested, um, why not a documentary film instead? And um, so that's kind of was the birth of it. I ended up getting a, a great um, director um, who directed it, Julie Gaylor. And um, what the film is, and it, it kind of grew from what it originally was going to be, but what it does is it, it goes from the, the time of, of me uh, entering the Marine Corps to the present day and, and the things that I have learned and, and things that I've kind of shared on the interview about how um, when I was first diagnosed with this condition I have that I did not handle it well and, and things I did to um, turn my attitude around and and then just goes up to training for this Mississippi you know, river swim. And it, it really, as a viewer, you, know, you don't really know, did I, in fact, do this Mississippi River swim or not? <laughs> you're kind of, wow. it opens up with me sitting there on the shore and you're oh, wondering, great. you know, mm-hmm. I'm quite sure a lot of people are thinking, there's no way, you know, this guy, you know, is going to swim across the Mississippi River like this because, you know, my hands are handcuffed behind my back, I'm blindfolded, you know, my feet are shackled and all that, and you're just thinking, there's no way. And um, so during the course of the film, um, had Julie and, and different people out there on the, on the water, you know, great. filming me as I did the swim. And mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, that's part of the documentary as well. Wow, I love it. I think that's great um, that they uh, have you on the on the uh, shore. Is he is he going to do it or isn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what. Now, is is this documentary just um, coming out for for a broader uh, audience? What what's what's that about? I mean, um, can they just get it on the website or? No. So so if you go to the web, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, eventually we're we're working hard. I mean, we love for you know Discovery Channel or, or right, PBS exactly. or someone like that to pick it up. Right. Um, but for now, uh, if you go to the site. There's an online version, which, you know, I mean, a lot of people these days, you know, look on the computer or their iPad, that kind of right. thing. So mm-hmm. there's an online version. There's also a DVD mm-hmm. uh, for people right. that want to get the DVD and, and watch it in the DVD player and that kind of thing. And we've, right. I've been really um, – I'm thrilled by the response that I have gotten from it. And, I, and I, what my whole hope has been that people will watch it and, and get the same feeling that they have – hopefully gotten from this interview that, that they can do anything. I don't want to walk in a way and watching this thinking that I'm so great because I'm not. I'm just a person. But I want them to think, you know what, he's right, the things that he's saying. If he can do that, then mm-hmm. what in the world mm-hmm. can I do? That nothing is impossible. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all, um, you know, I think what's great for you is that you're being used, I would say, to um, to open up hope for people, you know. And um, so I think it's it's a special mission that you have. Yes, you have a lot of strength and courage and everything else. But what I see is your um, your real contribution is uh, you being there to inspire other people, which is even greater than swimming the Mississippi with um, hands and feet shackled and blindfolded. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, which is you know what I earlier in the show I talked about. Um, Uncovering the hidden jewels of our character and personality when we've been polished with challenges. What would you say are some of the hidden jewels that you've uncovered about yourself? Now you can be a little braggy, and we won't care. But what are, what <laughs> well, are some of the jewels that you've uncovered? Probably about the, the biggest one that I really had no idea was I didn't know I had the kind of strength and perseverance that I mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm convinced now, Louise, of the things that I have gone through in my life. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of it is, is things that I'm not necessarily proud of. You know, d- divorced twice and not mm-hmm. proud of that at all. And that's the most horrible thing you could go through. But I know I can mm. survive it. 
and so I know that people are listening to this that they can too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, now I've got a you know beautiful, loving wife, um, and and so it's all though because of that strength and perseverance of that I mm-hmm. will not quit. Mm-hmm. I, I truly am that no matter what person I, I am, and that's why they you know a long time ago, uh, well not a long time ago, five years ago, uh, someone termed me Mister Unstoppable, and I, and I love that because that's who I am. I, I will not be stopped. You know, I'm just, I, I refuse to quit. I think if it's something that you truly believe in, that you just don't quit. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking about, uh, when you mentioned earlier that you were married, and that, you know, I, I think your wife has to go into training to deal with the stuff that you <laughs> yeah. face. How does she deal with it? We should get her on here and see what advice she can give to listeners who have, uh, you know, say a spouse who's unstoppable <laughs> yeah, no kidding and, she, and i definitely have a special special lady there that uh, is, is willing to put up with the stuff that she is and it's funny because when people hear about and and actually there's some some things in the documentary where we you know where she's interviewed and she's actually very uh people think oh she just lets him do whatever but she's very safety conscious and mm-hmm, so the things mm-hmm. that she requires me to do safety wise Mm-hmm. Uh, the funny thing about when I was going to do the Mississippi River swim, I was, I was initially was doing it for an, an organization, and I even did an interview with a, uh, a newspaper interview with the AP, and I mentioned that organization, and um, they called me and gave me like a you know or sent me a letter like a cease and, a cease and desist letter. <laughs> do not use our name because the swim you're doing is too dangerous and all this kind of stuff. And, and the funny thing, Louise, is that my wife Paz is her name, P A Z. Paz is so safety conscious mm-hmm. that it's like they had no idea how safety con you know safety mm-hmm. uh, conscious I would be during this swim, but they didn't want to hear it. They did not want their name mentioned. <laughs> oh, that is really funny. Ah. That that is that is really funny. Um, mm. Well, um, you know, again, we, we we said earlier in the show that obviously um, most of our listeners are not going to be doing this, but. Um, they certainly, many of our listeners, I know that. That's why I do this show. I feel so strongly about uh, letting people know that, you know, they're their own hero. They actually have challenges in their life that they overcome all the time. And um, so I want to always encourage people. But, um, again, because they're not going to be doing what you're doing, but they have their own tremendous challenges. Um, mm-hmm. No question. And, um, uh what would you say would be some words of wisdom for our listeners who, you know, may be going through impossible challenges? I mean, you have given words of wisdom all through the show, but what would you say would be, you know, some some focus for them? Yes, I, I just had a, a few minutes uh, to tell someone something. It is simply what I said earlier about, you know, not giving up. When I say not giving up, I always put asterisks out beside it or dot, dot, dot. Because I don't mean literally never give up. See, some things you have to give up. On in order to do whatever the big mission is. Mm-hmm. That's but if great. It's, mm-hmm. if, but if it's something that is truly important to you, something that you really want to do, you just got to, you've got to reach down and you've got to determine that you will not quit. See, because unfortunately, and they don't have to be like this, but it's because of uh, for for whatever reason people have in their mind, and and too many people quit. I mean, just to bluntly say it, that most people are quitters, and you don't have to be. So you can determine right now, today, you can say, you know what, I will not quit. And if you don't quit, there's no telling what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a very quick example for my book, No Matter What. Les Brown, who's one of the top motivational speakers in the world, he's a big hero of mine, and I wanted him to write the foreword to my book. 
and Louise, the things that I had to do to get him to actually write the forward to my book, because he did, most people simply would have quit and never would have got it. But I refused to quit, and I followed this man around from place to place to place, till finally he just said, Jay, you have just broken me down. <laughs> I cannot, you, 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 you will not quit. You just well, won't quit. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, um, so I wonder, you know, what it is that, you know, will have people quitting. Is it, is it, uh, well, obviously some fear involved, uh, fear of, uh, you know, the pain or the disappointment. But I almost, you know, I, I want to say this in a very gentle way. A lot of what has us quitting is our ego. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, and I think it is a lot to do with the ego. And uh, I, I, to me, almost everything we do on a human level has something to do with fear. And you uh-huh. mentioned fear earlier. And so whether right. it's the fear, fear of failure, fear of success, mm-hmm. fear of what mm-hmm. others want to think of us, whatever, you know, it, a lot of it probably goes back to um, something that's just built into us that, you know, for whatever reason, we want to want others to know that we have tried too hard, and if we didn't make it, then what would others think? And we, and, and we fail, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of that, and so that's things that people have to work on. It's not easy, and I always say to people that the process is simple. See, I, I could tell you, don't quit. Oh, that's simple. Oh, yeah, that's simple advice. But I'll tell you right now, that's not easy. Right. See, it's much easier to quit. To not quit takes that takes a lot of effort and it might take you know start with something small and then once you have not quit on that something small then maybe you work it up it's just really like kind of working on a, you know a muscle that you, you know, you're working out absolutely so you're, yeah, our attitude you know it, it really is interesting because when i work with clients i try to be as gentle as possible that's why i said very gently that uh that sometimes it's our ego that actually actually stands in the way of us succeeding or really overcoming obstacles uh because we're either embarrassed or we're, we don't want to tell anybody we didn't succeed mm-hmm. or you know uh i i feel that's one of the greatest um lessons i'm learning in life you know is to uh put that aside and think about which is what i hear is if you put the can I say your ego aside? I don't mean the, the healthy ego that wants to accomplish things, but the ego of, you know, oh, I don't want my feelings to be hurt or I don't want anybody to be, in, you know, to know I'll be embarrassed and mm-hmm. focus on a higher goal. Because what I hear in your work, Jay, and all that you're doing, again, you're not doing it because you want to impress people. Aren't I great? I'm Mr. Unstoppable. What I hear you doing every time is you're focusing on, um, uh, some sort of charity or some support to somebody else or giving other people an awareness of um, how they can overcome the obstacles. So to me, that's really one of the keys um, to to confront things that are um, either scary or, uh, you know, or difficult is if we're really focused on a higher goal, if we're uh-huh. focused on a higher purpose, even for ourselves, you know, um, that's the thing that I think um, can give us the strength to keep going. What do you think about that? Oh, that's, I found that to be true, and I learned that lesson, you know, years ago that, you know, you may quit on yourself, but you you won't quit on others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, maybe to tie it in in that way. And so maybe you're you're thinking about something that you're trying to do that you're not just doing it for yourself, but find someone else that you're doing it for. That, that makes a huge huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there there have been many times I, I always 
I joke about it, but it's true. There, there have been many times that I would have quit on the Appalachian Trail mm-hmm. if people had not been donated and people were not mm-hmm. counting on me and, and other cancer survivors and people who have gone through chronic illness were not looking at me. And, and I would just think about that, and I would think, well, it's not just quitting on me. It's quitting on them as well. And so that would make me just, you know, take one more step. And just yeah. you know, sometimes that's what it is, just one more step. And, you know, the beautiful thing about that is because, you know, sometimes even in therapy work or coaching, you have to focus on yourself, too. You can't just focus on others, you know. But the beautiful thing about that is when you do focus on others and you give in that way, you get so much more reward Mm. than if you're just doing it for yourself, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of success. It's a different kind of work. It's a kind of combination of you have accomplished it yourself, congratulations, and you have experienced this reward of, of, you know, it's kind of, I had a show uh, some months ago on paying it forward, and uh, it's that kind of sense of, you know, paying it forward when you succeed, and then you get tremendous uh, satisfaction from it. Well, I know we don't have much time, but what's, you know, as you said earlier, people are always asking, what's Mr. Unstoppable <laughs> going to do in the future? So <laughs> what's, what's some of the agenda for the future? Yeah, well, you know, something... Um... For my 46th birthday is when I did the Mississippi River swim, and um, so I think the next big thing will be my uh, for my 50th birthday. I'm, I'm, I actually had brain surgery back in January, so I'm, oh. I'm sort of recovering still wow. from it and building myself back up. But by the time I'm 50, I should be good to go. <laughs> wow, so, um, incredible! I, it'll well, be you know something what? big. I'm uh, not exactly sure what it'll be, okay, but, but well, believe you know me, what? I will announce it. We're going to have to end, but I'm going to definitely have you back, maybe for your 50th birthday. Yeah, there you go. The show so that we can get an update. Um, uh, Jay, I can't thank you enough for for your wonderful inspiration and experiences uh, on, on changing obstacles and new possibilities. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Well, I look forward to getting together with my listeners next Tuesday, 12 Pacific. 2 Central, and 3 Eastern on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. As my listeners know, I always like to close with a quote, so I picked this quote by Bernice Johnson Reagan because I think it has a powerful but simple message, and this is the quote. Life challenges are not supposed to paralyze you. They are supposed to help you discover who you are. So discover who you are this week. Look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, as we bring you more inspirational stories and tips for success on Louise Cohen's Changing Obstacles into New Possibilities. See you then.